welcome to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning with Wigan and Dana, the show where CPAs, insurance professionals, investment brokers, trust companies, CFPs, and more can firm up on their understanding of estate planning strategies so they can better guide their clients to make wise decisions with their legacy. Future Focus is hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. Subscribe to Future Focused Sophisticated Estate Planning on your favorite podcast platform and share episodes with your clients. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron and Michael. Welcome to Future Focused. I'm your host, Michael Clear, and I'm joined today again by my partner, Aaron Nichols. Happy to be here. We're here. It's 2024. We are in the future and we are focused. <laughs> we sure are. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We really wanted to lead off our year with a discussion, a description of where at the current estate gift and generation skipping tax exemptions are. Some of the things we want our clients to be thinking about as we walk into the new year and then jump off from there. So with that, Aaron, where are our exemption levels now? Yeah. So as our loyal listeners know, these numbers are inflation adjusted. So 2024 brings a whole new set of numbers to have in mind. The first number to be thinking about is the estate and gift tax exclusion amount. That in 2023 was $12.92 million. We are now up to $13.61 million. So for those of you curious about the Delta there, that's $690,000 more in 2024. So quite the Delta to reflect inflation and gives people an opportunity to make some big gifts. Right. So if we had clients who, what we say, topped off their gifting in 2023, they now have an additional $690,000 that they can gift in 2024. Yeah, definitely significant. And of course, if it's a married couple, you can double that to have almost $1.4 million. Certainly looking toward those gifts, as you guys know, the GST exemption amount matches the estate and gift tax exemption amount. So that will also be at $13.61 million this year. But another important number that we're always focused on is that annual gift tax exclusion amount. In one of our recent episodes, we talked about making sure to take advantage of annual exclusion gifts before the end of 2023. You'll recall then that it was $17,000 and we have now moved up to $18,000 for annual exclusion. If inflation does anything for us, it moves these numbers at a much faster clip than before. We sat at that 15,000 number for a number of years. The jump of $690,000 is another big jump. So we're seeing some big jumps on these exemption levels. Definitely a, a glass half full situation. <laughs> uh, note on the annual exclusion gifts, uh, similar to telling clients to take their required minimum distributions early in the year, Many of our clients often make the annual exclusions early in the year as well. So we remind you in December, uh, but a lot of our clients make them at the beginning part of the year, right, as the exemption uh, resets for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to complete early on. Um, and certainly another 
annual exclusion amount that we don't talk about nearly as often, but will be applicable for people who have non-citizen spouses. Um, So, you know, going back to the concept of being able to transfer assets in between spouses outside of the transfer tax system, that is only applicable if both spouses are U.S. citizens. So if you are a U.S. citizen subject to the U.S. tax system and you have a non-citizen spouse, you can give up to $185,000 to your spouse this year. Uh, without having to report any taxable gift. So we have our increased numbers. The one that's going to be, we're going to be saying over and over again and trying to remember what it is, is the $13,610,000 exemption from gift or generation skipping or from a state tax. And we're going to be talking a lot about this in 2024 and then again in 2025 because it's slated to be cut in half in 2026. So along those lines, I think in knowing that and in seeing that, loyal listeners will remember episodes two and three, where we talk about spousal lifetime access trusts. I think this is a good time to just talk a little bit about gifting in 2024 and why we may encourage a lot of gifting in 2024, or at least setting up the structures to make those gifts in 2024. So as we get closer to that sunset, you are able to easily make a gift. I think there are probably a few different reasons to really zero in on 2024 as a good year to gift. One is simply because looking toward the sunset at the end of 2025, everyone is going to be worried about gifting. Attorneys and financial advisors are going to be very busy. You don't want to be caught up in that gridlock of year-end planning when you're really on the brink of a potential sunset. So doing it in 2024 gives you more time, makes it a little bit less hectic of a process. Perhaps, though, an even bigger consideration goes back to those episodes where we were talking about spousal lifetime access trusts. And if you plan on doing one of those trusts for each spouse and funding those trusts with similar assets, we start to think about the reciprocal trust doctrine and wanting to avoid that certainly can be helpful to fund slats for two spouses at different times. So perhaps funding one spouse's slat in 2024 and waiting until 2025 to fund the other spouse's slat can be a good buffer against that reciprocal trust doctrine. Right, because it can be a major difference between how the trusts are different. You might be creating them at different times, funding at different times, probably funding them with different assets. So that would be a good practice. I think it's also important for people who are thinking about doing a slat and maybe the family, for whatever reasons, are just thinking about doing one. Maybe they have significant money and the drop in the exemption is going to greatly impact them. So they're somewhere from 12 to $30 million. They've only gotten their head around using one of their exemptions. The advice there may be create a spousal lifetime access trust and fund it in 2024. Maybe you don't fund it to a $13 million number, but you make a several million dollar gift and you live with it for a little while. 
you see what it's like to have the trust. You see what it means. You see what it feels like. It was a good idea. The planning is good. And you're just seeing if you think you can actually do it. So as you then get closer to the end of 2025 and we have clarity on where the estate taxes is, are going, all you'll have to decide at that point is how much more are you going to give? The accounts are created, the trust is created, everything's in place, and you're just then ultimately funding it with some amount. That's a very good point. If those three reasons weren't enough to convince you to think about this this year, we always have that apocalyptic possibility that there could be a change before 2025. We talked about this more when we had first the 2020 presidential election and then the midterms. It seemed more likely that with a different makeup in Congress, that certainly laws could change before 2025. It seems extraordinarily unlikely at this point, but nothing prevents Congress from changing their minds and putting some piece of legislation in that would be retroactive to January 1st of a given year. Now, I can't emphasize enough how far out that possibility is, but it's one that you can never say it's a zero risk. It's exciting that the exemption has gone up. And then as we look forward, knowing that it's coming back down, 2024 is certainly going to be a year where people doing some advanced planning is going to give them some of the best advice that they can get just because of the timing perspective and how long it's going to take to create some of these. I think the other thing that we just wanted to hit on as we look at the year is looking at your current plan. As you look at 2024, you've seen your end of year account statements. Maybe you're looking at what your income tax bill is going to be, but those tax statements start to roll in is looking at your plan and making sure that your current estate plan still makes a lot of sense. And one of those things that you're going to look at, I think there's three main ones, are your fiduciaries, do they remain correct? Does the core planning that you have for your kids or your beneficiaries remain up to date? And have you funded your Rev Trust? So you want to hit any of those and talk about them a little? Yeah, certainly. I think that we reminded you guys at the end of 23 that this is a good New Year's resolution to have. And certainly... Revisiting the plan, looking at fiduciaries, for example, is a big thing. It's easily fixed through a trust amendment or a codicil to your will to change out fiduciaries. But really sort of examining who's in your sphere at this point, who you want to be in a position of power, you know, and have a fiduciary role in your estate plan. It can change. For many of my clients, that's the only change we make from year to year. And we don't make that every year, but it's the most common thing that we actually change. So who may be serving. That next is the planning for the beneficiary still accurate. You gave them everything at 35, they're 35 now or they're 30 now. And you're thinking, wow, that was a bad idea. Should we tweak ultimately that planning? Is asset protection planning for a beneficiary more important now? Is divorce protection for a beneficiary? Should we tweak any of that planning, I think, is the second question. That's a great point. Along those same lines, if your estate plan has any trigger in it related to your net worth, for example, you give a bequest of X percent of your estate somewhere, does that percentage still make sense given your current net worth? Either it's gone up or gone down. So 
sort of re-examining it through the 2024 lens is important. And then I think the last one is the trust funding. So a lot of our clients, their ultimate plan sits in a revocable trust. The tax planning sits in the trust. The planning for beneficiary sits in the trust. And we use a pour over will and the revocable trust. So if there's nothing in the trust at death, the assets in the person's estate are transferred there through the will. But lots of clients work on funding the revocable trust. And one of the reasons would be to avoid the probate court process in the state or the surrogate's court process. And I think as your tax forms roll in, it's a good chance to say, okay, what have I moved? What haven't I moved? How hard would it to be to move some of these assets into the revocable trust? And just taking that, thinking of it almost as an audit or your annual physical checkup along those lines is a good time to cross-check that funding. And doing it in conjunction with tax returns and stuff like that is a great idea. Two birds, one stone, and you'll come out of quarter one feeling well accomplished. Well, great, Aaron. I enjoyed that overview of where we are today with our new exemption levels and what we should be looking at in terms of planning for 2024. Absolutely. Happy New Year to our listeners. And it was fun. Thank you for listening to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning, hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. At Wigan and Dana, our aim is preserving the wealth that a family has worked so hard to create and pride ourselves in offering value-driven solutions and results. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, share episodes with your clients, and follow our highly talented, creative, and experienced lawyers on LinkedIn for even more great insight. We'll see you next time on Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning.